Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from Lingoda. Lingoda is the number one trusted European language school with affordable, small, online classes available 24 hours a day. Their proven teaching methods and expert-designed curriculums will have you speaking a new language in just three months. Best thing is, right now, Lingoda will give you up to 100% cash back when you successfully attend all your classes as a part of their Lingoda Sprint program. For more information or to sign up, visit the link in the show notes. And don't forget to use our discount code BITTERSWEET. I'm Katie Sewell, and this is A Bittersweet Moment with Tiffany Parks. Hello, and welcome to The Bittersweet Life. I'm Tiffany Parks, and this is your midweek bittersweet moment. I was inspired today by our Monday episode. If you haven't listened to that, be sure you go back and listen to episode 363, Speak Okinawa, with author Elizabeth Miki Brina. It's a really great interview and the book sounds amazing. I'm going to go out and grab a copy of it myself as soon as possible. Listen to that episode if you haven't already. But I was really struck by it because a lot of the book and a lot of the interview were about this cross-cultural marriage idea. And Although in my case, we don't have the race aspect because my husband and I, of course, are from the same race. We nevertheless have some similar challenges having a cross-cultural marriage like we do. And so it kind of made me stop every so often and think about it, especially because we have a child and the author is the child of a mixed culture and in her case, mixed race marriage. And it made me think about, okay, is my son going to have any of these challenges? Is he going to face any of these challenges that this author faced? Obviously, we are never going to face the challenges that the author's family faced, considering that her mother comes from Okinawa and came from also a time in which there was recent war. There had been a lot of poverty. And so that on top of the race aspect, obviously, is a completely different challenge. So I'm not trying to compare my situation with hers, but it did make me think about it and made me question how I'm raising my child and if I'm making it harder for him in the future and what I can do to not have some of those issues. One of the things that really struck me was the fact that Elizabeth, the author, was not taught Japanese. And her mother actually did not speak English all that well. So what that does, of course, is create a huge communication gap between parent and child. And that really surprised me. And I, and I know that that's not unique. And I know that was done particularly in the past before it was established by most child psychologists that speaking more than one language as a child is not going to confuse the child. It's actually only a benefit. But at the time, you know, they didn't necessarily know this. She talks about how Japanese was not considered an important enough language to learn. Living in the United States as they were, it was important that they spoke English. This really struck me because, you know, I have a lot, not just myself, but I have a lot of other cross-cultural friends and 
Some of them, I'm the expat in this situation. I'm the foreigner, quote unquote, foreigner in this situation. But English is my language. You know, so I'm coming from this place of privilege. People want to speak English. So it was obvious that Aurelio would be taught English. You know, there was never even a discussion of it. Whereas, you know, I have some friends. I have a friend who's Finnish. She lives in the United States with her Brazilian husband, and they're raising their children in English, Finnish, and Portuguese. One could say, well, you know, Finnish is not really an important language. You know, hardly anybody in the world speaks Finnish. There's only one country in the world. But it's so important for a child to be able to speak the native language of their parent so that they can fully communicate that they made it a priority that their children would be taught Finnish as well. I don't want to comment too much on this book because I haven't read it yet, but you know, from listening to the, um, the interview, the author th- suffers from a lot of guilt over this, over a lot of aspects. But you know, I, I look at it in a different way. I look at it from the aspect of the parent, I guess. And I think, you know, it's not her fault that she never learned Japanese. That was a decision that the parents made. And I think that a lot of the pain that they went through and the difficulty that they had might not have occurred if if she had spoken Japanese. So that's um, a really great reason to teach your child your own language. It doesn't matter where you're from as an expat. You could be from the tiniest country in the world that... You know, we, we did an episode on obscure languages. You could speak a language that 20 people speak. It's still valuable to teach your child that language. And I was also struck by this idea that she talked about during the interview of her mother sort of just following her father around and not just following him from place to place and from job to job, but following him from dream to dream. It was his dreams. It was always his dream. This is so common even today, even in the 21st century, for the expat spouse, the trailing spouse, as they're often called, to not really have the opportunity to explore their dreams because they're just trying to figure out this country that they're living in. They're just trying to figure out the language, figure out the bureaucracy. Even if they have their partner there to help them, it's not always easy. And there's a lot of times not a lot of jobs that are available for expats. And I feel that this is a real shame because so many expats even today, they fall in love with someone from a foreign country and they move there to be with that person and they establish their life there. And I have several friends that fall into this category. This is not my case because, of course, I already had chosen to move to Italy years before I met my husband. But I think that it can create a sense of resentment in the expat, I believe, because even if you fully moved to that country with your eyes open, you knew you wanted to be with that person. After a while, you might start to think, hey, you know, all I am really is just this person's appendage. Do I have my own life here? And I think it's very important for any expat spouse, quote unquote expat spouse, to have their own dream, to have their own projects. Not just, okay, I'll find a job teaching English or not that there's anything wrong with teaching English. That might be your dream job and it might be something that you adore. And so if it is, I'm not at all saying that that's not a good enough job. I'm just saying that is a job that a lot of people fall into because they can't find anything else to do. So if it's not your dream, you know, and it doesn't have to be necessarily your profession. I know a lot of expats who have these amazing blogs that they pour their passion into, and it might not be what pays the bills, but it's nevertheless a very important project that brings them a lot of joy. So I would just say for any expat, it's important that you have your own dream. It's important that you have your own goals that you're working towards, and you're not just there sort of as the support person of your spouse. And it's just all about his or her dreams, and you're just following them around.
The last point that struck me listening to this interview was how Elizabeth talks about how her Americanness, she said it was oppressive. The oppressiveness of being American was such, is such, that she feels that even if she had grown up in Okinawa, she would have still felt very American. And this is something that really makes me curious to see how in my own life, in my own child's life, how this is going to play out because I'm actively trying to raise my child with an awareness that he's American. Five and a half, pushing six years of life, he's only spent about five weeks of his entire life in the United States. He does feel very American, but I do have to wonder, is it because it's an oppressive culture? Because it's such a pervasive culture. I mean, if I were Finnish, like my Finnish friend, I mean, how many films are there in Finnish? How much Finnish culture is out there and pervasive in the world that would make my child identify with this culture? Probably not a lot. It would be a real challenge to find ways to incorporate that culture. That's my idea as somebody who's not Finnish, though, so maybe that's not true. But just in the pervasive popular culture, America is so weighty. You know, there's so much American film, American theater, American music, American fashion, American styles, and just American popular culture. I think that there's a lot of truth in what she says, that, you know, if you are born American, at least by one parent, no matter where you live in the world, you're probably going to feel pretty American. I wonder if that's true. I wonder if anybody out there listening has any ideas about that. Expats who are technically American, but have been born, you know, third culture kids who have been born and raised their whole lives in different countries, how American they feel. I would be very interested to hear that. So if you want to write in, if that's you, we would love to hear your thoughts on that. We could maybe do an episode about that. The last thing was, you know, I wonder how much, you know, how much can a child truly embrace multiculturalism? Is it possible? Is it possible for you to fork your identity in such a way I've never had to deal with this. I'm 100% American. I mean, I am a dual citizen now, but you know, I didn't become one until I was almost 30. Sorry, almost 40. <laughs> and, you know, so I I'm fully American. I'm dual citizen, but I'm fully American. But I wonder as a child who is born both or three, some children have three countries in them. How possible is it? Will you always steer towards one culture? and always favor that culture more heavily, either because that's where you grew up or because you were closer to that parent or because that culture is just stronger in the world. It's very interesting to think about and to talk about, and I don't have the answers yet, but I will definitely be exploring them along with Katie as we do so many other topics on this show. This has been your midweek bittersweet moment. Join us again. Thanks to Lingoda for supporting this program. Sign up for Lingoda's Sprint program today for your chance to learn a new language and earn up to 100% cash back when you complete all your classes. Follow the link in our show notes for more information. And if you're interested, sign up by April 16th with the code BITTERSWEET. If you need inspiration, visit their Instagram profile at Lingoda underscore official for inspiring student stories. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And if you love it, leave us a good review and tell all of your friends about us. Also, if you have an idea for a bittersweet moment, send it to us by email or voice memo. We're at bittersweetlife at mail.com or find us using the contact page 
at thebittersweetlife.net. <laughs>